Reading from Luke 5. 27 through 32. It says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Join me in these words on screen. Lord, make your word our rule, your spirit our teacher, and your glory our supreme concern. For the sake of your Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, Here at Broadway, our life together revolves around three words, three words that are our mission. And so this is your chance, if you've been around Broadway for a while, to make your pastor proud, all right? What are those three words? I hear it. Invite, grow, and serve. That is what we do as a church, day in, day out. That's our bread and butter, right? But our hope is that all of that doing, all the inviting, all the growing, all the serving is leading us someplace, that it is moving us toward a picture of the future, a picture of what is not yet, but what could be, and even more so what must be. We call that our vision. And over the next few weeks, we are going to be unpacking our vision together. And we're going to be doing that um, by by looking down at some stories from Scripture, but also by hearing stories from you, from people in the pew. And so today, as we focus in on the first part of our vision, which is to be a contagious community of hospitality where all people are welcomed into a family of faith, I'd like to show you this one story of how this vision is already becoming a reality in our midst. Let's watch together. I'm Caleb Kirshner. I have been going to Broadway for a long time since I was a little kid. Um, I'm a special education teacher at Cumberland Trace Elementary School. I work uh, some with the youth here at Broadway and uh, the creator of The Haven. The Haven is uh, Broadway's special needs ministry. So uh, it was created out of kind of a brainchild of wanting a place for parents of kids with special needs and the kids to come and be like welcome and have their spot um, because oftentimes uh, that demographic gets put into other people's uh, corners or spots and forced to fit the mold or whatever it may be. My hope was to kind of begin to rebuild that and and fix the bridge um, between those two because those are two different realms that I value uh, Broadway and uh, families with kids with special needs just because I know how awesome both of those things are. So I wanted to kind of bridge the gap and so thus the Haven was born. Um, and its mission, we set out to make faith accessible 
uh, to those uh, families of kids with special needs uh, by creating just encounters with God and people that care about them um, in a safe community, in a space, uh, safe space for them to be, uh, which uh, became the Haven. So the, it's launching again on September 11th, and it'll be on Sunday afternoons from 4 to 5.30. Uh, so the parents will have their space to go be in their small group, and we'll uh, do some programming with the kids with the game and the lesson and crafts and games and activities and all that. They just enjoyed being in a place where they could be like real and be in those experiences that they have with their children that are challenging or isolating or just difficult uh, with other people who get it. Um, because a lot of times you see they're talking to parents who, who don't necessarily get to the full extent what they're going through or the challenges that may be presented. And so to have a space, a safe space where their kids are cared about and they can just be a parent and be, in a, or be, a, be a person, be their own person um, in a safe space with people who get it was just really valuable for them and something that they, they don't have everywhere. So it was awesome to get to see that feedback. I think the kids had a good time. There were several stories where they were like, there was doctor's appointments or changes in schedules or whatever and they couldn't come and they were super bummed. Um, and so were their buddies on this end of it. So it was, it was really refreshing and to see them get to just be themselves and, and interact with the Wesson about God and just get to be with uh, their partners was great to create sort of like a positive connection with church where it may not always be the case um, for them. And it started uh, on a, a Broadway youth mission trip to uh, Chattanooga, and we worked at, uh, we volunteered at a special needs daycare. And so there it was like, like I, I love kids, I love all kids still to this day and loved kids before that. But to see those kids, and I mean this was just a, a pocket of kids with special needs in Chattanooga, in the middle of nowhere, unrelated to where I am, but to see them just like go about their routines. And like I remember playing basketball in a little tight school with this little kid with Down syndrome, and I was like, these, these kids, they want all the same things that like typical kids want, and they want all the same things that you and I want, that it's just like, it just looks different. And so, to me, that kind of opened my heart and was like, wow, this is something that's meaningful and valuable and like a lifelong pursuit um, that it could bring. And so thus, special ed was the easiest avenue, and then the Haven has kind of stemmed off of that as um, Broadway letting me live into my calling and to equipping me to do that to do that um, in a church setting as well as in the education setting. I think uh, it's really important for all people to be welcome here because every, everybody, no matter how they express it or how they go about it, wants a place to belong, right? Like they want somewhere that's theirs and somewhere that they can be a contributing member of and involved and connected and people know that they can show up and people care about them period that's all that that's all there is to it and so to continue to push uh, the edges of what that looks like and who that includes and what it look what it looks like um, is is super important and to bring more people into the fold of the awesome stuff we have going on here at Broadway is just uh, critically important to our lives together. I just want to put the exclamation point on the fact that the Haven is launching this afternoon. If your family or a family you know would be blessed by that, they are certainly invited to come and be a part of that. Three pastors walked into a Cracker Barrel. 
It sounds like the beginning of a joke, right? But it really happened. A couple of months ago, um, Pastor Adam and Wendell and I, we went to the Cracker Barrel right here down the road to start planning out our sermon series for the rest of the year. Uh, Because you know how it is, there's nothing like the old timers breakfast to really get those creative juices flowing and then promptly want you to have to go take a nap, right? (laughs) But um, we were sitting there together. We were having a great conversation. We were talking about you about our love for you, um, about um, what opportunities we have as a church together, about the needs that we have in this moment. And we were starting to get some ideas floating around. But in the midst of that, we also really hit it off with our waitress. Um, she came to our table and she was sharp. She was on top of it. She was able to like always keep my Diet Coke full, which is a hard task for anyone But she also, on top of that, she was uh, already picking on Pastor Adam within five seconds of us sitting down. And so I already knew, like, I really liked this girl, right? Uh, That was sealed whenever a few minutes later we were putting in our order. And I've always ordered the turkey sausage there. Any other turkey sausage fans? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, they don't have it anymore. And instead, they have chicken sausage. And so I ordered the chicken sausage. And at that point, she just started vehemently, like, shaking her her head and she said, I, I wouldn't do that. It's gross. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Instant trust in this woman. She could leave me anywhere now. Um, but uh, also all of you have now been informed. So don't be sad when you go in and uh, discover that. But uh, we bannered back and forth with her the entire meal until it finally came down time for us to pay our bill. And at that point in time, she discovered our secret. She discovered that we were pastors. And I'll be honest with you guys, when people discover that you're a pastor, that can go in all kinds of different directions. Many times it's like a conversation killer. It's like, okay, great, bye. You know, like get out as fast as you can. Um, other times it causes people to, to feel like they need to, to tell us like where they go to church and where they got saved, the date, the time, the place, you know, so that we can know like they're in. Um, other times it causes people to launch into a long list of apologies for things that they might have said or done while you were sitting there. As if, you know, we weren't human beings who might have said and done similar things. But on this particular day, when the waitress discovered that we were pastors, she paused for only about half a second, and then she decided to be vulnerable. She put her tray down, which indicated to all of us that this was about to get serious, and she looked us in the eye as she said, I am so angry with God, and so I have not been to a church in a long time. And then she waited for our reaction. You know, how would we respond? Would we flinch? Would we tell her, like, you know, you really shouldn't feel that way and you should get that figured out fast? Will we try to fix her and try to explain her anger away? Will we just get up and walk away? She made this bold and honest statement to us. But behind it, I think that that there was a question. And that question was this, what about me? Am I out or am I in? Can I be mad at God and still be included? Can I still belong? It's a basic human question. You know, all of us are wired to desire to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We, we just yearn for this. 
to the point that, that sometimes we're even willing to betray ourselves. We're willing to do whatever it takes to, to be accepted and to fit in because we want to know, we need to know, do I belong here? Levi, also known as Matthew in the Bible, he had this same question. What about me? Do I belong? And this is his story. One day, he was sitting in his office in a little place called Capernaum. Um, this wasn't like some grand city or anything, but it was this village, um, the ruins of which still exist today, there on the Sea of Galilee. Um, there was a lot of fishing that happened there, obviously, because there was water <laughs> nearby. But also, what, what made this a notable place was the fact that one of the, the most important roads um, in ancient time went right through here. You can kind of see it traced up. If you want to look up near uh, the north where there's Galilee, and you can kind of see that the, the uh, body of water, Sea of Galilee, Capernaum's like at the very top of the Sea of Galilee there. And so that road went right through it, which caused all kinds of people to travel at least through Capernaum. There are all kinds of goods that needed to get from Africa to, to Europe and from Europe back down to Africa. And so people were coming through here all the time. And Levi figured out how to cash in on this. He was a tax collector. In essence, he was kind of like a, a toll booth collector, right? As people would enter his territory, he would collect their money. As they brought in those goods, they would be kind of uh, taxed as they were imported and exported. Um, but he would also, at that same time, as he was collecting this toll, go a little above so that he could take care of himself, right? So that he could have money in his own pocket. I don't know if uh, you guys... Uh, Remember, I'm sure you do, many of you who are from here, um, when the Natcher was a toll road. Y'all remember this? When, oops. When Jeremy and I were in college and we would come to visit his family, we had to make sure we had, was it a dollar and 25 cents? Dollar fifty, a dollar fifty um, to get from Owensboro to here. I think there were three booths that you had to go through. I mean, see? <laughs> The struggle was real. And so as poor college students, what did we have to do before we left on every trip? We had to like dig through the car, go through the console. Brittany knows she went to college here. You could, you could only negotiate those tolls with so many times. Yeah, right? So I mean, like we were finding like pennies in the console, counting them up, looking under the seats, doing whatever it took to find the change that we needed. But imagine that you've gone through all that trouble, you dug it all up and you get to the toll booth, but really it was that person's prerogative every time you came through to tell you what the price would be. I'll tell you what would have happened to us. We would have been calling his mom and dad, like, can you come help us please? Because we always had just enough. But in essence, this is what Levi did, right? Is it any wonder that people disliked him? He was taking their money and there was really nothing they could do about it, right? They had to pay it to get on with their day. But I'm sure from his perspective, he was just doing what it took to take care of himself. You know, maybe he had no other option. Maybe he didn't grow up in a family where there was a trade that he could learn and just step into and assume the family business, Maybe this job was the only one that he had been able to find. 
But on this particular day, there had been some extra commotion around Capernaum because this rabbi, this guy named Jesus, he had come to town and people had come from all over, even as far away as Jerusalem to see him. In fact, there had been whispers that down the street, he had been teaching in a house and people had crowded around so tightly inside and outside the house that this group of friends had made a hole in the ceiling to lower their friend down to Jesus because he was paralyzed and they wanted Jesus to help him. But Levi, he wasn't in that crowd that day. No, he was at his toll booth. Uh, perhaps doing whatever the equivalent of was of, uh, you know, like playing solitaire on your computer or you remember snake on our cell phones or doom scrolling social media. He was doing whatever the equivalent of that was while he was waiting to uh, make his next buck because he knew there was zero question. He knew that he was not welcome where Jesus was. He knew that he was not welcome amongst the family of God. He was not only considered a traitor for helping this enemy government collect these taxes, and he was not only considered an extortionist for taking more than he really needed, but he was also considered unclean. His profession continually put him into contact with Gentiles who ate and did things that no self-respecting Jew ever would, and their uncleanliness was considered contagious. And so as Levi would interact with them, it meant that, that it would rub off on Levi. The uncleanliness became his uncleanliness, meaning that no pious person would, wanted, would have wanted to go near him either. In fact, it was said that the Pharisees were so careful, they, they didn't want to catch this uncleanliness, that they did not even want the hem of their robe to touch someone like Levi. They kept people like him at a distance. You were either out or you were in. You were in one of two categories. And Levi, he knew full well which category he was in. He was out. And so there Levi was, sitting at his booth, waiting to make his next dollar, surely feeling the extra sting of being excluded on this day where this town was all abuzz about this Jesus. But that's when it happened. I imagine that maybe he started first to like hear the buzz of a crowd starting to move closer to him. And then as he looked up at a distance, he could see this rabbi, Jesus, teaching and walking along right in his direction. I can imagine the curiosity that had to be rising up in him when all of a sudden Jesus did the unthinkable he looked right at Levi, right there in his little tax booth office, and he locked eyes with him. And I wonder in that moment if Levi braced himself, if he braced himself for Jesus to scold him, if he braced himself uh, for, for Jesus to be angry with him and curse him like so many other people were every single day. But instead, Jesus did something different. He looked at him and he spoke just two short but life-giving words. He looked at Levi and said, follow me. It was perhaps the first time in a long time that anyone had looked at Levi and seen a human being instead of what they considered a piece of dirt. 
I'll be really honest with you guys. I've read this story my whole life. And every time I've read this story, I reach this point and I think, oh man, Jesus is taking such a big risk here. He's taking this big risk to include this person in that, that nobody else liked, which is true. You know, Jesus is taking a risk here and he definitely ruffled some feathers in the process, uh, especially among the religious professionals who like to keep the categories separate and would have never included Levi. But as I was reading this story this week, it occurred to me that in this moment, Levi is taking a huge risk as well. When you are a person who has been excluded again and again and again, when you have been shown and told over and over that you do not belong, it is a very vulnerable thing to allow yourself to even hope, let alone believe, that you might really actually be welcome. It becomes so much easier just to, to give up and to not put yourself back out there again because you want to do whatever you can to protect yourself from not feeling that same hurt or that same rejection again. You guys, that's why it's such a big deal every time a person walks through our doors for the first time. They are doing something risky, something vulnerable. We don't know what hurt um, that they're carrying through that door with them, but them being here it is a very vulnerable moment for them. And, and I, I hope we always remember that. But in this moment that, that Jesus takes this risk to invite Levi in, Levi takes the risk on him. He says, yes. And he gets up and he leaves everything behind to follow Jesus. Sure, lots of other people left everything behind and followed Jesus. And in this chapter in particular, at the beginning of Luke 5, you have Peter and James and John who get up and leave their fishing jobs to go off and be disciples. But let's be real here. If things wouldn't have worked out with Jesus for them, there were literally plenty of fish in the sea, right? There were lots of boats that they could go back to and work. They had a trade that they could fall back on. However, Levi, in this moment, burns all his bridges. There is no job for him to return to. There is no safety net. His bosses would have been done with him because he was probably lucky to have this job in the first place. Levi went all in on the one who had welcomed him when no one else did. Levi followed Jesus. He traded in his government job to become a disciple of the one true king. And I don't want you to miss what happens next as a result. This moment of being welcome it just ignites this generosity inside of him. It becomes this gratitude that cannot be contained. He had to celebrate. And so he throws this big party and he invites all the other outcasts like him to come and meet Jesus. He wants them to experience the same miracle of being included that he has. And Jesus, being Jesus, he does not hesitate for even a second to sit down at the table and to dine with them. You know, we read through that in that, in that story, and it sounds nice. Oh, great, they enjoyed a nice meal. But you guys, like, this is a big deal. In that day and time, you didn't just sit down and eat with, with whoever. 
No, who you ate with said something about you, yourself. In that culture, sharing a meal with people, it created and expressed community. Eating with someone communicated your full acceptance of one another. And so when they sat down for that meal, the categories that they had lived in and been separated by their entire lives were wiped away. They were gone. But remember those guys who really liked those categories? You know, the ones that that didn't even want the hem of their robe to touch Jesus, the Pharisees? They were not too happy about this, right? And so they start complaining to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? You know, they were used to setting the rules and enforcing them. They were used to saying jump and other people saying back to them, how high? They were used to, to calling all the shots and they probably expected that when they questioned Jesus, that he would just get up from that table and apologize and move on. But Jesus was not swayed by their pushback at all. Jesus stood his ground, or better said, he kept his seat at that table with these so-called sinners. (laughs) And this is what he said. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, why am I eating with them? Because they need me. Because they have wounds, just like all of us do. And I'm the one that can heal them. Levi, he he probably couldn't believe his eyes or his ears in that moment. He had started his day as an outsider without any hope of redemption. But then he experienced the extravagant hospitality of Jesus. He had spent so much of his life avoiding others so that they would not catch his uncleanliness. But this wide open welcome of Jesus was the thing that was truly contagious. Rather than spending the rest of his life taking from others as a tax collector, instead he gave his own life away. He gave it away so that other people like him could know that they were included. So that they could know that they had a place to belong with Jesus. That is Levi's story. And as I was spending time with it the past few weeks, something something struck me about this story. You know, when I have read this story in the past, I always read it, and I assume that we, Christians, that we are Jesus in this story, right? We are Jesus who are called to go out to the margins and, and to call the outsiders to follow our Lord which, which isn't completely wrong, okay? So I'm not throwing that out. But I think that I've tended to cast us in the wrong part. And getting that part right really matters. The truth is, I think in this story, you and I, we are Levi, not Jesus. Levi's story is our story. You know, sure, we might not be tax collectors that are despised by absolutely everyone, but all of us have our stuff. All of us have our wounds. All of us have our brokenness. And from time to time, we wonder, do I still really belong? You know, we wonder, am I really included or have I been disqualified? You know, personally, I have pride that creeps up in me. 
like any other human being. I have a tendency to want to try to control a situation instead of first trusting God to take care of it. Sometimes I have questions and doubts I have to wrestle with. There have been some times in this past few years where I have been just as angry with God as that waitress. And that's only some of my list. I could go on. But I know you have your list as well. You have your wounds. You have your brokenness. But the power lies in realizing that despite all of that, despite however long that list might be, despite however salacious you think it might be, that Jesus has looked at each and every one of us in the eye without exception and extended to us the very same invitation that he extended to Levi. Follow me. He welcomes us all into the family of God. And getting this, realizing this, feeling this, it matters. Seeing ourselves not as Jesus, the hero in the story, but as Levi, not just in our heads, but feeling it deep in our souls, just how radically and deeply and fully and completely we have personally been welcomed by Jesus It matters because when we get that, that's when all the conditions that we want to put on Jesus' welcome begin to melt away. It's when those categories that that we have, have maybe known all our lives or heard all of our lives begin to disappear. When we really get this, it's when we become a contagious community of hospitality where all people are welcome in a family of faith. Because finding that place where you truly belong sets off this chain reaction in which this gratitude and this grace that we've experienced, it just naturally moves us to welcome others just like we have been welcomed, no exceptions. Like Levi, we just can't help it. We have to throw a big old party and invite everyone else to come in because we want them to experience the same miracle that we have. There was a time in my life when, um, when I would have looked at that waitress at the restaurant and I probably would have been more in the role of the Pharisees, you know, and I would have, I would have tried to decide which category she was in, if she was in or if she was out. There was a time where I would have, you know, had some questions like, does she really belong? You know, can you be mad at God and not go to church because of it and still be included But the more that I have experienced the extravagant hospitality of Jesus for myself, the more I have come to understand that I am Levi, there is simply no question. He welcomes her just as much as he has welcomed me. And so that day in Cracker Barrel, Pastor Adam and Wendell and I, we did not flinch when she said this. We did not try to fix her or explain her anger away. But instead, we sat there and we listened to her story as she described how her state trooper brother was um, tragically killed on a roadside as he was trying to help others and left her and his young children behind. We sat there and we grieved with her and we told her that we could understand why she was mad. (laughs) We reassured her that God could take all of her anger and all of her questions and we simply told her, that she was welcome, that there was a community of faith 
where she could walk through our doors and know that she belonged any day. And if you came through these doors wondering that today, I want you to know the same. You are welcome here and you are welcome in the family of God. In just a moment, the band is going to come back and play for us a familiar hymn, Blessed Assurance. And as we sing it, I pray that we would encounter Jesus for ourselves. I pray that we would experience the warm and wide welcome that he has given each of us, that we would feel it deep in our souls, that we might be sent out to welcome others to the doctor, the one who wants to heal us all. Let's pray together. Lord God, it's hard for us to grasp a a welcome and an invitation that is this radical, one that is big enough to take in the whole world. But God, I pray that it would start inside each of us. That you would reassure each of our hearts that it is true. That we have been included. That you have called us to yourself. That you are at work in us. And you desire to be at work through us. Overwhelm us with your love today. Overwhelm us with your love to the point that it just can't be contained. That we have to invite others to experience the same. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.